And so we are in the second week of our series called This Is Oceans. And it, it follows through from the series of vision, which re, rehashes the vision of this church called Oceans. And so um, the vision of this church is really simple and we know it and I'm going to keep repeating it until you're sick of it. Um, but the vision of this church is to... There we go. The vision of this church is that every single person would know God because we believe that every single person has been created for intimate relationship with Him, with our Creator. We're not here by accident, but we've been uniquely, awesomely designed for a relationship with Him and with people. So we have a vision that everyone would know God and that we would grow together. The secret of our growth doesn't come by growing in some kind of isolated island or classroom, but the secret to our growth in becoming more like Jesus and, and, and closer to becoming who God's created to be is that we grow together in community, which is why it's so important and so valuable for us to develop the habit of gathering together on Sundays and also in dinner parties. I can tell you what, if you simply commit yourself to the heartbeat of this church and the rhythm, we call it the temple to table rhythm. Um, if you simply commit yourself to that rhythm, you will grow in your life and your faith. I absolutely guarantee it. I'll give you a hundred bucks in a year. I'll give you a thousand bucks in a year if you don't. Um, you need to put some things into practice though. Um, and so just by simply committing to that rhythm, you're going to grow. And then the third part of our vision is that every single person will go with purpose. God has destined every single one of us with a God-fit purpose for your life. For you individually, but for us collectively as well, we believe we can achieve so much more together than we can just on our own. And so this is the vision. But the question is, well, what fuels the vision? That's a great vision. It's an amazing vision. Um, uh, but, but the vision is like the car. But the question is, what is the fuel that helps to fuel the vision? What is the motivation? Where's, where does the drive for this vision come from? And last week, we spoke about this one word, this one single word that fuels every single thing that we do as a church, and that one word is grace. The one word that fuels us is grace. What is grace? It is God's undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. God gives us his mercy, which is where he doesn't give us what we actually really do deserve. But then on top of that, he gives us his grace, which is his undeserved like favor. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm a bit scared of God. But God's like, hey, what are you doing? Come to me. I've actually, I'm not only going to show you mercy, but I'm going to lift you up to become, the Bible calls us citizens of heaven. Do you know when you belong to certain countries, you have certain privileges and rights more than other nations. If you're an American citizen, if you're an Australian citizen, you have inherent rights because you belong to that country. And we are called citizens of heaven um, simply because we're united to Christ. And so this word grace is so powerful. And in the first week, we spoke all about how grace is simply to be received, not earned, not bought. You've got to pay, I'm sorry, Ananda and a few people have had to pay a lot of money for their citizenship um, or for their even re residency here. It's like literally forking it out, working hours after hours. But you know what? For us to be citizens of heaven, it is unbelievable. It's a free gift given to us that we simply receive gratefully by faith. And so this, this gift of God's forgiveness, of his eternal life, of his grace, is not something you and I can ever earn. And last week we did speak about the glazed cherries, which are the fake cherries. They're real cherries that have all kinds of stuff added, to, added into them and the goodness bleached out of them. Blah. 
That's what we can do with the good news of the gospel. We say, well, yes, yeah, received by grace. Just receive it. But then you've got to do all this religious stuff on top of it as well. And, so, and, and we looked last week. Paul saying, no, 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 no. You don't add stuff into it. Just receive it. So everyone say, receive. receive. Say, receive. receive. Not recede. <laughs> receive. We, re- we just receive this grace. And now, and that, and that relates to the first part of our vision, which is to know God. If you want to know God? <sighs> Receive his grace. That's it. Put your trust in Jesus. It's, so, it's, just so, it's just so relaxing, isn't it? Oh, thank God. What a, what a load off. I can just receive this grace. But now second week, we're looking about growing in our faith, growing together. This talks about our sanctification, which really means the first week talks about our salvation. Thank you, God, I'm saved. Second week, growing together talks about our sanctification, which is a fancy way of saying we're just going to become more and more free from the stuff that holds us back, from the sin, from the things that just uh, pollute us, and we become more and more like Jesus. Really, we become more and more free to be who God's created us to be. And so the first week we spoke about receiving grace, and now the second week we have another R that relates to grace, which we'll show you in a second. But first, we're going to go to our key verse. And the key verse from tonight is from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what it says. This is Paul writing a letter to the Christians at that time in Rome. And Paul says this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that Paul had just been talking about for the first whole 11 chapters of Romans, in view of God's mercy... Offer, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's not the kind of thing we usually talk about in our Western world, is it? I offer, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, which just means set apart. It means set apart, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper, and in other translations, your acceptable, your fitting worship. What this is talking about is our response to God's grace. You see, again, the context of this is that this letter is to the Christians in in Rome. Some were Jewish Christians where they had a Jewish background. And in the Jewish background, you had to to draw close to God. You had to do all these sacrifices and rituals and you had to tick the boxes and do all kind of hocus-pocus sort of rituals in order to get to God. And then the Christians that were not from a Jewish background but from other religious backgrounds where they had to do all kind of sacrifices and things to appease God... Well, they just found out, they just heard the glazed cherry message. And they were like, whoa, we don't like glazed cherries. We want real cherries. They heard the message where they get to just receive this grace. You mean we don't have to do all these sacrifices and we don't have to tick the boxes and climb the ladder and promise I'll never do that again, but I do. But we can just receive grace. And you know, it's almost like Paul, it's almost like they're asking Paul the question. They're like, well, how do we worship God then? If we're not going to do our usual sacrifice sort of stuff. And Paul, it's almost like Paul was answering this question. How do I respond to God's grace that he's freely given me that you've spoken about over the last 11 chapters? And we get a bit of a, a glimpse into the grace in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 25. Because Paul says in, in Romans chapter 3, he says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, without ticking all the religious boxes, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, 
Notice it didn't say for everyone who behaves. We get this wrong idea that we need to behave in order to be accepted. But God says, no, believe, and then you grow in your behavior. Everyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter who you are here, whether you're from a religious background or not, this counts for you. It doesn't matter. For everyone who's sinned, we're on the same boat, right? For everyone who's sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We compare each other to each other. Well, at least I haven't murdered anyone yet, yet. Um, <laughs> haven't spent enough time on the road yet. For everyone who's sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard, which is so much higher than ours, yet God in his grace, that beautiful word grace, freely makes us right in his sight. This is just, this is, this is just good news. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Thank you, God, that I don't have to pay the penalty. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. This is why we don't need to do all these rituals. and It's already been done through Jesus. Jesus said, it is finished. When he died on the cross, there's nothing more to add. People, we think, oh, we need to add a little bit more. We need to do a bit more. But no, 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 it is finished. There's nothing you can do to add to it. Otherwise, you're going to have glazed cherries. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe, not when they behave, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so this is a picture of the grace of God, of the mercy of God that Paul has been talking about in the first 11 chapters. And now, 11 chapters deep, he goes, Therefore, and you know, I heard the preachers when I was growing up, um, they said, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to understand what it's there for. And so, therefore, it's got something. And so consider the previous 11 chapters. Therefore, in response to God, say, in response to God. Say it again, in response to God. You're not earning it. It's in response to God's grace. How can I worship you, God? How can I express my thanks and my love and my adoration? And wow, God, oh my goodness, you're so amazing. How? How do I express my thanks to God? What is my loving response? Well, Paul shows them how to do it. He says, rather than doing all these kind of sacrifices, actually, you be the living sacrifice, offering your entire life back to God in thankful and worshipful response to Him. What God wants is not our religious ticks in the box. He's not after our rituals. He's after our heart. He just wants your heart. He doesn't want a compartmentalized version of you. He doesn't want your Sundays. He doesn't want three hours in a Sunday afternoon. My goodness, not even dinner parties. Like he, He's not interested in that. He wants your heart. He wants your whole heart. He wants your Monday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday, Friday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think the middle of the week just disappears sometimes. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every hour, 168 hours a week. He wants all of your affection. He wants all of who you are because he's a dad. He's a father who loves you, who delights in you. He just wants your heart. When I think about my kids, of course I want them to obey me, right? But it's so so secondary to the fact that I just want their heart. That's that's all I want. I want want their heart. Of course I want them to listen to me because I know what's best for them most of the time. Sometimes they give me some great advice about the way that their lives should go. Um, but, But generally speaking, I know the best for them. And I just want their hearts. Trust me, trust me. I've got your back. I've got your best interests at heart. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to be a living sacrifice. Sometimes being a living sacrifice can be a bit harder than just doing a sacrifice, right? 
Because what that means is God wants all of us, not just a part of us. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, there's this account of this prostitute who came to Jesus at a Pharisee's house. A Pharisee was a religious dude who ticked all the external boxes, who looked like he was a great Christian, a great church person. And I look very, I look hard. Yeah, I'm doing all the amazing prayers and I'm volunteering and I'm running dinner parties and I'm, I'm looking oh, so good on the outside before people. He's ticking all the boxes. And here comes a prostitute to his house. So you had the, a clash of these two worlds, right? And this prostitute definitely didn't tick all the moral boxes, right? She's very aware of a failure. And it says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard Jesus, he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And, and this expensive perfume, it's, it's been said, was worth about a year's wages. And so this was expensive perfume, but it's not the kind of perfume bottles we have these days. We just pff, spray a little bit and then you can use it next week, next Friday night or whatever. Um, but this alabaster jar was only usable once. You had to actually break it, and then, and then that was it. And so she bought this alabaster jar, and then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Weeping. She's weeping not because she's guilty, not because she's sad, but because she's, her heart responds to the grace of God that she's experienced. She's weeping with joy. She's weeping with gratitude. And what, she, what is she doing? Her tears fell on his feet. And she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Maybe they really needed it. He's been walking around a lot. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this, if he, this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Ooh. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And then Jesus answered his thoughts. It's like, oh, it. He's like, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. He's like, oh, yes, yes, Jesus. What are you going to say to me? I know, I've been very hospitable to you. I'm such a great Pharisee. You tick all the boxes. You're amazing, Simon. But no, he had a few words to say, but then we get down to the bottom here in verse 47. And Jesus, at the end of his mini speech, he said, I tell you, her sins... And they are many, he acknowledges, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And so here's this prostitute he, who was unable to tick any of the religious or moral boxes. And then here we have a Pharisee who felt pretty good about the boxes he'd ticked. But who was actually closer to God? Who actually delighted the heart of God more? Whose heart did God have? And the heart that God had, that Jesus had, was this, this woman. And, Jesus, and she tasted grace and her response to God. She knew she could never earn it. She, she didn't pour out this perfume on Jesus' feet, thinking that she could earn her way back. She's, she was very clear. Nothing she could do could ever pay enough, in a sense, to, to get back to perfection. But in, in, in grateful worship and response with a broken heart, a grateful heart, weeping, she said, God, Jesus, Jesus, she broke the alabaster jar full and the perfume rose up and it filled the whole house. And you know what God's invitation to us is? First, we receive God's grace, but now we respond to God's grace. And God, what God invites us to do is take the alabaster jar of our life and to break it. Not holding anything back like our modern day perfume bottles, 
but to smash it before Jesus. Say, Jesus, in my, all my brokenness, with all the good stuff, with all the bad stuff, God, I'm so grateful. I just, I sur- let my life be like perfume rising up to you. I'm so grateful for the grace that you've shown me. And so for the rest of tonight, I just want to look at four ways that we can express our gratitude and our worship back to God. Again, I just need to make it so clear. This isn't earning our way. We've already received it. Thank you, God. This is it's, it's great. But now how do I, I, I th- think about it tonight? We, we worship God. It's like a song. How do we sing, let our life be a love song back to God? And we learn throughout all of our life to increasingly sing in tune. Some of us start a bit more out of tune than others maybe, but it's okay. We're all learning to sing increasingly in tune to worship God with the song of our life. And so four ways we can express our worship to God. Are you ready? Awesome. The first way and the most significant way is, by the way, have you heard of love languages? And there's kind of five love languages. Um, You know, one love language is touch. Another is words of affirmation. Another is quality time. And then another is gifts. And another one is, I always forget the other one. Acts of service. Maybe that's why I forget it. Oh, dear. Yes. I need to learn that one. (laughs) I need to learn that one better. (laughs) That's it. And so, do you know God's love language? He's got another love language that trumps all of them. And, And the greatest act of love we can show God is through our obedience. Through our obedience to God. Through obeying him again not earning you know john 15 john chapter 14 verse 15 jesus said if you love me you keep my commandments not if you love me you keep my commandments it's just if, if i have your heart a natural overflow of your love will be you just you're gonna you're just gonna do what i say you're gonna follow me increasingly not perfectly but we we get just get better at listening to the voice of god and reading the bible and understanding the heart of god and going god yes i want to be after your heart I want to live in, live in worshipful response to you by living increasingly in the ways that, that please you and honour you. Our greatest act of worship is our obedience. And I just think sometimes the most powerful acts of worship we can give God is behind the scenes where no one is looking. Um, when we don't click on the thing that we know that we shouldn't. It's like, I just think that when we don't, God is like, whoa, it's like perfume. Just like soaks heaven and soaks Jesus' feet. Um, when no one's looking, and you know when no one's looking, it's a Christian around you, and then someone, like you pull up in a Macca's drive-thru, and you get cold chips, like I did the other day, and my response wasn't that Christian. I know, you're all judging me, aren't you? Hey? And <laughs> my response wasn't that Christian. I, I just think if I had a Christian, if someone in the car with me, maybe my response might have been a bit more, you know, but I mean, God's with me, and... I just think that the way that we treat our our enemies, you know, we don't have any enemies, but what about that person that pulled in front of you the other day or tailgated the other day, the person at work that's, and that person, and she said, and it's like, well, what did Jesus call us to do? He said, bless your enemies. He said, pray for your enemies. He said, love your enemies. Love those who persecute you, those who who oppose you. I, I just think that an act of our obedience and worship to God is in how we treat people in the small things. And how, how, do, we, how do we love the unlovable? I, I think God's heart is like, wow, that is, that is a, a beautiful, in-tune worship song. 
um, when you're not speeding on the road. That's one I am, am very much improving on. Um, when we, when we, the way that we handle our money and our finance, we're spending it all on ourselves. We're able to be generous with it, sowing into things that, that, that reflect the heart of God. You know, God wants all of us. Often we go, have all of me, God. But then we're like, but not my wallet. I'm keeping my hand on that and I'm lifting up this one. Uh, what we need to put is put our hands in our wallets and lift them up like this. Surrender them to God. God wants our finance. He wants our bodies. The way we use our bodies. Our sexuality. Everything about ourselves. We go, I'm not going to be led and driven by my feelings and my, I just feel like it. But we need to even bring those things under God and say, God, I might like feel like this. But I'm just not, I just did it. But, uh, but I'm not going to follow that just because I feel it. It doesn't make it right. It's actually, no, my body is a living sacrifice, God. I'm, I'm living in the way that you call me to, in the way that you design me to do. So the first way we can worship God is through obedience. And it's not obey me. It's like... Just the invitation is obey me in loving response to the grace that we've been given. The second way we can worship God is through our excellence. Everyone say excellence. You're going excellent. I thought, you know, Bill and Ted's excellent adventures. Yes, that's what God has called us to. Excellence. What does excellence mean? Well, excellence just means making the most of what you have, not of what you don't have. I want to have a billion dollars. I'm going to be generous with it. No, you won't. Not if you're not generous with the $100 you have in your hand. Um, I'm just going to do the best I can with X, and I'm waiting for the cloud sore lines. No, no, be excellent. Do, do the best with what you have, like, now. Not further down the track when things are just going to go my way, but with what's in our hand now. You know, instead of Daniel, in the Bible, that Daniel had a different spirit. He had an excellent spirit. And he was elevated because of his excellent spirit. And we get a picture of this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. And trust me, this is going to change your life. This is going to change your Monday. Your Sunday, you're hearing it, it's going to change your life tomorrow, right now. Right now. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Not just the spiritual stuff. Not just the... I'm just going to just do this stuff until we get the real stuff over here, the real spiritual stuff. This is just my light side hustle until we get to the, light, the proper stuff over here, the more spiritual stuff or the real, the real deal. But this is whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's like this changes everything whatever you do do it with all your heart this means the way mums that you look after your kids this means cleaners the way that you clean this means teachers the way that you teach this means students the way that you study this means you know people at church or wherever you are the way you sit in the bus the way you treat people in the drive-thru whatever you do work at it with all of your heart do the best you can with what you've got. Why? Because it's actually Jesus you're serving, not the people. You know, right now the good thing is you don't even have to have a good boss to work this out. You might probably have a bad boss. I don't know. But do you know what? It just, get the rubber out. It doesn't, it's irrelevant because the true master, the true boss, 
The true person you're serving is God behind him. And you'll actually be rewarded for the way that you do this. So this means this, that there can be true meaning in the menial. True meaning, eternal meaning in the menial, annoying, tedious, frustrating things that we encounter every single day and your life will change. Your whole entire life can be an act of worship to God. And, you know, I just believe that God calls us to be the ones that are leaders in our workplaces and in, in, in our students. Imagine if we were the ones that always rocked up early. I'm ready to go. I'm not here just on time. I'm here like five, ten minutes early. I've come prayed up, expectant. I want to serve my boss. Is there anything else I can do? Can I, can I, can I serve you? I'm, I'm, I'm praying for my workplace. I'm just believing for the favor of God on my workplace. Like Joseph, he was in prison. I mean, you can't get any more meaning than that. He didn't wait for his moment to come. But he was like, he, he started there. He found meaning. He was faithful with the small, and God lifted him out of prison and made him the second most powerful person in the world under Pharaoh because he had an excellent spirit and he did excellence. I remember a time, you probably heard me talk about this um, before, but I remember a time I was in between seasons, right? Two spiritual seasons where I just thought I was so spiritual. Um, and then one day, I, I just needed some money, right, to survive in between these things. I'm like, I'm doing the real thing. It's come the real thing, the real meaningful things coming around the corner. And then in between times, I needed money. So I just needed a job, any job. So I got a job at a drum factory. And so I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, do a 45-hour, 45-hour, 45, it felt like that, 45-minute trying to like stay awake on the freeway, get down to this shed. And my whole job was to clean these pest, empty pesticide drums full of spray seed, which is a really, really potent chemical herbicide that got up your nose and you feel like it was killing brain cells. And you had to wash these drums and dip your hand with a glove into this potent chemical solution. And you dip your hand in and half of your fingers have fizzed off. And, and so you're trying to like wash these drums and, and stack them and then, and then label them. And I was in a hot shed and I'm sweaty. And, and the guys around there were just using vulgar, disgusting language. And there's porn all over the walls and in the toilets. Literally felt like hell. It was like, this literally is, <laughs> is my life over? How did I get in this place? But over the course of time, through an awesome preacher called Joyce Meyer, she is amazing, um, got on a, on, a, on a cassette tape about integrity, which is what I needed at that point. Um, God really spoke to me, and, and really what he asked me in essence was, well, who are you working for anyway? And I'm like, for the money? <laughs> for me? <laughs> but then... Jesus really challenged me. He's like, well, well, no, you're working for me. Actually, that's who. how would you work at the chemical drum factory if I was there, if I was the boss? Hey, here gone the chef. Here good, thanks, Jesus. And so it just changed everything. It changed everything. All of a sudden, I found meaning in the menu. I'm like, and I know I should got excited. I was like, all right. <laughs> it just changed. Come on. I'm going to wash these bins. And so I'm like, yes, do you mean, God, I can worship you, not just at church, you know? But I can worship you on Monday as well with these chemical bins. I'm like, I'm going to wash these bins. I'm washing these bins. One corner and the other one. I'm going to put that over there and I'm going to get another bin. And I just worked harder and harder washing those bins, labeling them beautifully, perfectly, symmetrically. 
had to be exactly right. It was amazing. And, um, and, and, and it just brought such satisfaction and joy to like chemical drums. Been an act of worship to God. And as the atmosphere in my heart began to change, it began to shift the atmosphere around me. And all of a sudden I was able to share the gospel with these guys, be blessings of that place. I'm getting puffed out. It was hard work at that factory. <laughs> you know, if we're faithful with the small, God will give us more. And, and, and you and I, we can walk out of this place and say, that was a great time of worship. Man, we get to worship God all week in everything that we do. How good is God? It's so good. First, obedience. Second, excellence. Third, this is going to be a really quick one for our creativity. Everyone say creativity. All of us have been called to be creative. Now, half of you are cancelling yourselves out, the whole, the whole left brain, right brain thing. But I, I just think that some of us are called to be creative in the sense of artists, but others are called creative to be creative in terms of creative solutions about complex issues, etc. You know, God revealed himself as the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we've been made in his image. And when we create things, when we bring a creative approach to things, as the Spirit of God allows us, I think that brings a great sense of glory and honour to God in everything that we do. And I love the fact that we're a creative church as well. You know, the first two people that were anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit were actually artists. They were tradies, really, um, who helped to build the temple way back at the beginning. And they were the, the artists, the artisans, the tradies that put the temple together. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in this place in the same way. And the fourth way that we can worship God is through, and this really comes down to this point right here in this room, you know, in some way everything is sacred. There's no difference between sacred and secular because everything as I've been talking about can be an act of worship. But let me tell you, there's, there is something sacred and holy and powerful and not to be taken for granted about the fourth thing, which is passionate worship. Passionate worship passionate praise and worship you know music has been given as a gift by God God's the ultimate musician you know what the world has done is taken something that God has created and kind of polluted it but music started with God and music is God's gift to us to allow us to emotionally connect to the truths that we sing because we're body we're soul we're spirit we're mind will and emotion and God doesn't want us just to worship Him in a <clears throat> removed, clinical way. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're pretty good, God, and stuff. But no, God, what God invites us to do, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your might, with all of your strength, that we'll be a living sacrifice. And, and all throughout the Bible, it is full of people responding to God's mercy and grace through song through worship. The Bible says that we enter into His courts with praise. The gateway into the presence of God where we can experience His power and His grace and His presence and His miraculous power in our life is through praise. Why? Because praise and worship takes the focus off our problems and it puts our focus on His promise. It takes our focus of, of the giants around us and it lets us focus on His greatness and as we shift our, our perspective of the things that are around us, when we put our focus on God, 
then everything changes in our hearts. We begin to have a, a great perspective that brings freedom and hope into our life. And it's in that place that God releases miracles and freedom in our lives. He, he frees us from the anxieties. He literally frees. When you're depressed and, and when you're down and when you're burdened, when you have anxiety and fears and all these chains and things going your world, you drag yourself you know, into church like this. Well, as we begin to praise God, then there's a freedom that begins to shift and we can walk out this place free. It is a powerful, powerful thing. The Bible says, Psalm 150, verse 1 to 5, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. There's no one else worthy of praise than God. More worthy. Unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Anyone got a ram's horn? Praise Him with the lyre and the harp, with the electric guitar. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing with strings and flutes. Clash of cymbals, the drums. Praise Him with loud, loud clanging cymbals. And all throughout the Bible, there's this invitation. Would, you, would we worship God? Would we praise Him? And what I love us to do or be is to be passionate worshippers of God. I don't, I, and sometimes it would feel fake, right? Because you don't feel like it. You're like, oh, no, I've just got to be real. But really, in a, way, in a way, you've got to push through that because if you give in to your feelings all the time, you're just going to stay in mucky gunk that just wants to keep you down. But what we need to do is make a choice. David in the Psalms, he's, he commands himself. He's like, hey, you down there, listen to me. Get, listen to me. Yes, this has happened. But the invitation is to lift your focus into God. And as we don't give in to how we feel, but we begin to declare the goodness of God, then the presence of God comes and He changes everything. And it's so powerful when we can, can come together. Acts chapter 16, verse 22 to 26, it tells us the account of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, they, they went out into the community to, to tell the good news of real cherries, of the gospel of God's grace. But people got really annoyed by it. And they beat them up with rods. I mean, imagine someone literally beating you up, like hardcore. And they found themselves dragged into prison, <clears throat> chained up <clears throat> in a dungeon, right in the middle of the prison. They didn't know whether they'll be killed, whether there's any way out. They lost all hope. Here they are trapped into a in a dungeon with chains around their ankles, beaten up to a pulp in the middle of the jail with no hope. And what did they begin doing? Well, this is what they did in verse 25. It says, around midnight, which is, I guess, is this symbolic darkest part of the night. You know, the question is, what do we do in the darkest times of our lives? Do we, do we give in to that? Or do, we, do we get with God and we say, God, I, want, I don't want to be defined by how I respond in the good times, but how I respond also in the dark times in my life. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Shut up. They were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You know, rather than giving in justifiably to their feelings, they went to another level. So they said, God, regardless of what's going on around me, I'm going to praise you, God. As they began to praise God in the darkest moment, then God released the power 
of the Holy Spirit. The power of God broke their chains. And I believe it is such a symbolic picture of what happens to us as we begin to praise God. And the reason why it's so powerful for us to come together is because other people around you need your praise as well. Notice how it said when they praised God, other people's chains fell off. Some people do come in dragging chains around their ankles, feeling heavy. But sometimes you might be good, but you know what? Other people need you to be passionately praising and it lifts the water level, lifts the environment and other people can be set free. You know, I remember the first time I lifted my hands in worship. Why do we do that? I know we all come from different backgrounds here, but I come from a Baptist background and a particular church I was a part of, like, it, it was like, you never lifted your hands above that here. It's like, woo. Um, and, and, and I remember the first time at Mount Hawthorne Baptist around the road. I was like, God, I, I just really want to like, I just, I just want to like express my worship to you. Like, you know, the Dockers won last night, right? What a great game that was. I'm not pro-Dockers, but I'm pro-WA. So, I mean, any Dockers fans here, put your hands up. Yeah, hello. We've got a few. Oh, all right. I didn't know Evangeline, you Dockers fan. Woo, coming out. All right. <laughs> and it was such a good game. It was like, whoa, Dockers got over the line. Mel Madden was at that game. Like, yeah. I'm, oops. I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> but I just couldn't help us. Like sometimes in church, we're like, yeah. Oh, I better sanitize myself. I'll just do a, yeah, Lord, you're yeah, pretty good. But you know what? I remember the first time and I was so nervous, but I just wanted to like, just, just, just wanted to like express myself. I just wanted to show, just give God a bit more. And so I was like, I picture myself like, you know, I was like, check, how do I do this? I was like, oh, sh- I was like, just a bit freaked out and nervous. Just worrying about everyone behind me, but they're not thinking about you. Don't worry. All right. Okay, ready? They're not thinking about you. I'm sorry. They're just not. <laughs> but I'm like, oh man, okay. <sighs> I was like, yes, okay. Got my hand up there. And I was like, okay. Beads of sweat running down here, you know. I was like, all right, do the other hand. I was like, because <sighs> I just felt like there's this breakthrough happening. I'm like, good, I'm not giving to my fear of what other people think. And I'm like, all right, how do I get the I just feel like I'm just, so I was like, okay. All right, it was like lifting weights, you know, do the deadlift. Got that hand up there, got the other hand. I'm like, yes, I, just, I don't know. For me, I just felt so free. I'm like, yes, I'm not worrying about what everyone's thinking of me, but I'm absolutely consumed by what everyone th- everyone's thinking of me. But it, there's a level of freedom. But then the awkward moment came when the song stopped. I'm like, how do I get my hands down? I'm like, do I like this or just let them drop? I don't know. Um, you can work it out. But but the, but but for me after that there's like <laughs> we can hold classes after this it's okay but but for me it's just for me I I just it was a breakthrough for me because I just didn't want to care about what other people thought I just want to express my worship to God whatever way it is for you you know why do we encourage everyone to come to the front because we just want to encourage a culture in this church we're just hungry after God we're we're not just I mean nothing gets the back row you know at, at all it's a full it's great but. We just want to encourage this culture of like, no, I'm I'm not here just as an I'm not here as just an observer. But I want to be like an obtainer. There was a woman with blood, so I'm just gonna go on just one minute. There's a woman with issues of blood for twelve years. She went to doctors and physicians. No one could give her an answer. She spent everything she'd had 
But then she heard about Jesus and there was a massive crowd around him. And she had to push and shove with a handbag with a brick in it. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Crawling in the dust through legs until finally she reached out and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and instantly power went out of Jesus. She was healed. She was set free. Jesus said, my daughter, when she'd been ostracized because of her uncleanliness, Jesus gave her a place to belong and the power of God was released. She was in there just to check out Jesus and get a selfie with him. Like thousands of other people there, like Justin Bieber fans, just wanting to post a nice little picture of it. But she was like, no, no, I don't want to just observe. I want to receive from God. I'm hungry after God. I'd love us to be a church that isn't just here as spectators, but that we want, to, we want to reach out to God and receive what God has for us. And you know the place that we can do that is in the place of worship, in the place of praise. When we lift up the name of Jesus, the presence of God comes and everything can change in one moment with God. So why don't we just stand up together in this moment? And maybe if you're at home as well, you can stand up. I can't see you. But why don't you express your hunger after God in this moment? You know what? I just want to encourage you. Let's be a church. Let's be people that are obedient to God, that are excellence, that show creativity. And we want to be passionate worshipers. Why don't you right now, if you want to, maybe for the first time, lift your hands up to God. Right now, we're going to declare the goodness of God. Lord God, we come to you hungry, Lord. We come to you, God, because you're always worthy of our praise, God. You're worthy of all of our worship, Lord. You're worthy of all of our adoration, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that as every single person worships you, you release your power. You break chains of depression. You break chains of anxiety. You break heaviness, Lord God. You release your power in this place, Lord God. We worship you because you are so good to us, Lord.